Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Stretch out your lungs a little bit and give God a shout of praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Look at somebody next to you today and say, you came to the right place. I believe you're in the right place, City of Life Church on Vision Sunday. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, before I get into my message, and man, I'm full today. I've got a lot that I want to share with you. Uh, I, I do want to re-invite you. It's the second invitation in the same service to not this Friday, but next Friday to Love Strong Conference. It is going to be absolutely amazing. I don't know about you. But when I saw people's marriages falling apart in 2020 like never before, it just did something in me. And I just wanted to say, devil, you are not going to get at our families. You're not going to come after the core of, of what holds us together as families. And I just started believing and declaring that we were going to see some kind of turnaround. I believe Love Strong is a big part of that. So I'm encouraging every person watching online, every person in the room that's married, whatever you've got planned next Friday is not as important. Even if you're getting married next Friday, cancel it and come to Love Strong. You'll learn more about the marriage uh, than having to just go through a meaningless wedding that you don't understand. What, no, I'm joking. That you don't understand what marriage is about. Seriously, unless that's your wedding day, cancel whatever you're doing. Come to Love Strong. It's going to be amazing. And then as they mentioned, that Sunday is Love Strong Sunday where we'll be able to talk about relationships uh, in a really deep level. I love what we have planned. It is going to be so cool. And then also, uh, as Pastor Amy mentioned, our merch. Today is the right day to buy our brand new merch drop. This is our uh, COL established 1986. It says living in the future good old days. People would ask me, this is a size medium that I have on. Uh, but you guys, you're going to love this. these clothes. They're so uh, amazing and, and full, of, full of vision. Uh, people are going to be asking you, what is that? Where'd you get that shirt? And um, yeah, get it today. It's going to be so much fun. And by the way, I just gave away my sermon title, The Future Good Old Days. That's what I'm going to be preaching on today. You'll find my text in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. I'm going to read it to you right now. This is one of those verses that's so good, you don't even have to be a good preacher uh, to get amens out of it. You guys should just say amen while I'm reading this. That's how good it is. Uh, it says this, summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic. Be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing and get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good. Come on, somebody say amen today. I'm going to be talking to you today on Vision Sunday, a message that is called the future good old days. Living in the future good old days. Father, thank you for your presence and your faithfulness. I pray right now that the power of the Holy Spirit would just move not only in this room, but people that are watching online, filling hearts with hope. People that are damaged, that have been through terrible situations, that are just wanting to give up. I pray right now something gets stirred up. Stretch our vision. Let us see something. That, that word, the perceptual act of seeing, vision. Lord, give us something to hold on to for our future that we can catch a God glimpse of our future today. Help your word be delivered in a way that honors you and lifts up the name of Jesus. And we thank you for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 
All right, well, I'm going to talk to you for just a second about uh, something that is uh, very enjoyable for me. Uh, it's a movie. You guys know I like movies. And the movie that I'm going to talk to you about is called Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> now, this movie could get mixed reactions. I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Uh, if I started quoting things like, how much you want to bet I can throw a football over the mountains over there. Uh, some of you that have seen it, you may laugh at that. Or if I said, uh, it's a time machine, we bought it online, it works, Napoleon, you don't even know. Like, things like that, those are all like quotes from the movie. Um, or, or like, your mom goes to college, you know, stuff like that. That's all stuff from Napoleon Dynamite. Now, some of you are staring at me like I'm from Mars. Uh, and, and that's understandable, because I brought this specific movie up for a reason. It, some, some scientists analyzed films, and they analyzed some of the ratings of films, the way people rate movies, and they found that Napoleon Dynamite is one of the top 25 most polarizing movies. And, and all, that, all that means is that it's, it's one of the top 25 movies that people either love or they absolutely hate that movie. Uh, so 55% of the people that saw Napoleon Dynamite, 55% gave it a 10 or a 1. So that so it's it's you know, the, there are very few people. What it's saying is most movies people will rate it a five or a six, or only ten percent will give it a one, and ten percent will give it a ten. But this this movie splits people right down the middle. And so it's interesting that they all left the theater seeing the same movie but they had a different reaction to that movie. So thinking in that same kind of way, I want you to imagine a Texas Stadium in, Calif in, in Texas, uh, in Dallas, where uh, the Dallas Cowboys play the San Francisco 49ers. There are 100,000 people there, and the 49ers win. Uh, and, and half of the people that are there, 50,000 of the people leave, feeling like it's the greatest day of their life because the 49ers won. The other half, uh, including me, feel like they just want to choose another team because they're so mad because the Cowboys can't win jack squat since 1995. Uh, and so the same game, everyone watched the same game, but isn't it true that half the people left feeling bad and half the people left feeling great? Why? They saw the same thing but they had a different definition of what good is. All the people that watched had a different belief system about what good is. Dale Carnegie said something, and it was, uh, it's a little poem, actually, and it's just, I, I think it's amazing. I love the imagery that I got the first time I heard it. It says this. It said, two men looked out from behind prison bars. One saw mud. The other saw stars. That quick little poem, I mean, I remember when I first heard it, the feelings that I had imagining two guys in the same exact situation. One guy can only see the despair. One guy can only see the regret. One guy can only see the problems. One guy can only look down and see no future, that he's thrown everything away. But one guy looks up, and he sees the sky, and he says, I will never make the same mistake that I made before. Nothing is going to keep me in this place. There's a future for me. There's hope for me. The idea that two people can experience the same thing but have different definitions of what good actually is. 
And from the examples that I just used, three different examples, we learn that vision is not simply what you see. That's not what vision is. Vision, in fact, is what you believe about what you see. We learn from all three of those stories, vision, true vision, is the power of what you believe about what you see. So what you believe is good will determine the way you feel about how things unfold in your life. Would you like me to say that one more time? That's a good one. What you believe is good will determine the way you feel about how things unfold in your life. Or the way events occur in your life. How you feel about it is determined by what you believe is good. So today is Vision Sunday. It's a day to look forward at all the great things that are in front of us as a church. I get to make a really cool announcement uh, in, in just a few minutes. I'm very excited about this. I can barely, I'm, you guys, I'm known terrible at keeping surprises. So uh, I got to wait till the end of the message to share uh, this announcement. But I want to share why this uh, living in the future good old days is on, on these shirts and, on, and why it's our message, why it's sort of our theme this year for Vision Sunday. Uh, a couple of months ago, we were praying about 2022, and we were about to go into our uh, staff planning meeting, and, and we were just sort of asking the Lord, what, you know, what is, what's coming? Help us to get a word. And I started thinking about growing up, hearing everyone always say, oh, we don't have church like we used to have it. They don't make food like they used to make it. They don't make music like they used to make it. You ever heard people say that before? They don't make movies like they used to make it. And, and what's interesting about that is I heard that being said while I was growing up. But people even now say that. They don't make it. But they're referring to the time when I also heard people saying it. So the time that people look back on with fondness now, during that very time, there were still people saying, they don't make music like they used to make it. They don't make, you know, so, so what does that tell me? People always feel like the good old days are better than now. There's always some aspect of our life that looks back and thinks things are not as good as they used to be. But God told me the very moment that I started thinking that. He said, you have not even begun to live in the good old days that you're going to look back on. You're living in the future good old days. What I'm going to do in your life right now, what I'm going to do in the church right now is going to be the future good old days that you will look back and say, remember when God did it that way. That doesn't mean he won't be do, doing amazing new things then. It will just be remember when God did it that way. And I got news for you. I want to live in the future good old days. Look at three or four people around you and say, we're living in the future good old days. We're stepping into a season so full of goodness that it's greater than previous seasons. And someday we're going to be looking back, celebrating in the future, living in the future good old days. So in order to know what that means, the future good old days, we have to define something real quick. What is good? How do we define the good days? How do we define living in a good season of our life? Does that mean that we have all these things that are happening around us that are so fun and so enjoyable and, and we get to post about them all the time? 
What, what does that really mean? Where does the word good come, come from? Did you know the word good actually comes from the word God? That's what, it's, it's a shorter version of that. So good, really what it means, the root of it, it means godly. So if we get the right definition of what the good days are, it really means living in the God days. That's what the real definition of good is. But sometimes we get thrown off. And we start calling things good that are not actually good. And we start calling things evil that are good. And we start calling good evil. And Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. What does woe mean? Woe means like God is looking at you going, whoa, whoa. It's kind of like, yikes. Like, be careful. If, that's, if you're doing that, you're in trouble. And you're going down a road that I promise you don't want to go down. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. If we think that good is wealth, if we think that good is fun, if we think that good is just enjoyment and pleasure all the time, if we think it's fame or, or getting a certain number of followers on social media or having people know about us or being popular or even being celebrated by everyone or romance if, if, or having a hot boyfriend or girlfriend or hot spouse, whatever, we're calling evil good. We live in an age where people literally celebrate you for doing evil. They publicly commend you and celebrate you when you do something evil. The Bible says, woe to that generation. We have to be a part of the generation that believes in the goodness of God, that the goodness of God is enough for us. We don't have to have anything more than his goodness. Godliness is goodness. David said in Psalm 27, he said, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I am going to live in the good old days. The future good old days are now. I'm going to live in them right now. I'm confident of it. I like it goes on to say, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You just wait. You're going to live in the goodness of God. We're stepping into a season full of godly things all around us. Okay, so I want to go back to our text for a second. Our text is 1 Peter 3, 8. I read it to start up. It said, summing up, be agreeable, sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. This goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing, and you'll also get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good. So this is saying we can guarantee. Who wants to guarantee that you're living in the future good old days right now today? This is saying that you can guarantee it. You don't have to go home and open a check in the mail. It, 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 it surprises you and shocks you to be living in the good old days. You don't have to sell your house for a certain amount of money uh, to be living in the future good old days. You don't have to have anything happen to you that's favorable by anything that's observable tangibly. You can choose to do it now. It says this. It says what, what do you have to do to live in the future good old days? Number one, it says be agreeable. Just be agreeable. Did you know that there is a spirit of agreement you can have an agreeable spirit. You ever been around somebody that doesn't have an agreeable spirit? That's a nice way to say it, isn't it? You say, you don't have an agreeable spirit. Uh, sometimes we, we just need to remember, you don't have to know everything. 
You don't have to be right about everything. Did you know that it's possible to be in the room with someone that says something that's not fully correct? It's possible to just be quiet and not correct them. Can I tell you something? If you're married, you better learn that right now. Just let it go. For the sake of happiness, just let some things go. It's much better to just let it go and bring it up at a later time than to always have to call everything out. It doesn't feel good. So there is a spirit of agreement where it's more important. The spirit of agreement is more important than being right. I would rather have happiness than be right. You know, and, and what, what's amazing is that the more love you, sh- you share and the more agreement you share, the more you get an opportunity to truly connect. And then, then pe- you can start sharing truth with each other in different kinds of ways. But what the Bible is telling you that if you want to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, there's five things you got to do. The first one is be agreeable. So look at someone next to you and say, I am not going to disagree with you for the rest of this service. Tell them that. Say, I'm not going to disagree with you for the rest of this service. People disagree about everything. Don't disagree. Be agreeable. Number two, be sympathetic. This is a way you can let the Holy Spirit flow through you. Be sympathetic. People can tell you something. They can say, I got up last night and I tripped over a pair of shoes. And I I fell down and I broke my front tooth. And my, my mouth is killing me. Did you know that there are a lot of people in this room that if someone told you that, that story, that you, you would say, well, whose shoes were they? Were they yours? Did you leave them there? Was that your fault? You shouldn't put shoes there. I mean, wait, let's back up for a second. I'm sorry that you hurt yourself. I'm sorry that you're in pain. I'm sorry you chipped your tooth. You really did chip it, didn't you? I'm sorry you chipped your tooth. I'm sorry. Let me hug you. Let me hug you. Let me tell you how sorry I am that you went through this. You don't have to. I mean, sometimes it's like we save our sympathy if we feel like everyone is in the right. Look, we do dumb things. People do ridiculous things. It's the nature of human beings. Are you going to be a sympathetic person or not? Are you going to be a person that is compassionate and kind toward people, that shows your sympathy in ways that people can feel. Because I believe these next two go right along with this. It says be sympathetic. So if you're not sympathetic, if you are that kind of person that goes, oh, well, they got what they deserved. They should have done this. They should have done that. Were you using every precaution necessary? Well, you should have done that. You should have done that. You deserve it. Well, my gosh, that's not Christ-like. Put your hand on your heart and say, I will. Be sympathetic for the rest of the service. (laughs) What I'm trying to do is get you through the service. If you can get through the service, then it's going to continue. I believe it's going to continue over through your life over the next hour, the rest of the day. You got to get through the service first. But you got to be sympathetic. You you have to start out by being agreeable. Then you got to be sympathetic. If you want to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, This is how we can guarantee we're going to live in the future good old days right now. The third thing you got to do is be loving. Show true love to people. Make sure that people know that you really, really love them. That is is the most, Jesus said, 
Love one another as I have loved you. Love your neighbor as yourself. We don't love enough. I think, too, that sometimes we withhold our love from people until they meet our standards. Can you imagine how damaging that must feel to children who have parents that refuse to show their love toward them, show their affection toward them until the children have obeyed all the rules that they have set? How about we realize that if we loved a lot more, maybe the rules would matter a lot more. Maybe if we started giving the love first and showing the kindness first, that it would give people the confidence and the affirmation to step into those things. That's the way it works with the Lord. Did the Lord tell you when you perfectly can live out the Ten Commandments, then I'll love you? Did he tell that to us? Or did the Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? He died for us on our worst day, knowing that we couldn't complete all those things and could not live in a way that would please him. But he never withheld his love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We have life by simply believing in us. And it's all the result of his love for us. So how can we withhold our love from other people? So if we want to live in the future good old days now, we have to be agreeable. We have to be sympathetic. We have to be loving. And then here's another one. We have to be compassionate. Let's be compassionate. I think that's similar to, to sympathy. It's, it's more the, the way we feel toward people. But I think compassion is, is showing and giving help to people. Can I just tell you something? If somebody walks through the door and they're bleeding, I don't need to have a conversation with them and say, what happened to you? Why are you? I need to stop the bleeding. That, that's the most important thing is to get them help immediately. Be compassionate toward people. You can choose today to start a revival in your life, to live out this vision that we're talking about right now. You can start it today. Uh, and then finally, be humble. Uh, it says that you have to be humble. I like the, this quote. Um, I believe it was either Tim Keller or, or C.S. Lewis. I, I, they're both great men. I, I know one of them said it. I apologize. I can't remember which one. But I think it was Tim Keller that said, uh, that pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. It is, it is that invisible thing that kills you. You don't know it's there until it's too late. When you start talking about pride, no one you know, punches their neighbor in church and goes, he's talking about me right now. Uh, that's the whole point. That's why it's the carbon monoxide. No one ever thinks it's a problem for them. But self-centeredness, the, the, the grip of self-centeredness will destroy your life. When everything is about you, that's why the scripture that says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So then it goes on to describe what mind that is. It says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to remain equal with God. Then it goes on to say that, he humbled himself and took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a long scripture, but what it means is that the mindset that Jesus had was humbling himself, going from here at equal with God down to here. And because he humbled himself, 
God has lifted him up and exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So what it's telling us is that if we don't humble ourselves, if we don't humble ourselves like Christ did, we will remain down here and we will never be exalted by God. So if you want to start a revival in your life, if you want to live out Vision Sunday today and be living in the future good old days right now, this will guarantee it because you will be living in the God days. And the God days are the good days. When you believe that good is a set of favorable circumstances, you start, oh, this is good. I didn't even say this in the first service. You start, so, so let me say that again. When you believe that good is living in a set of favorable circumstances. So there's a lot of people, when you talk about the good old days, all these things come rushing to your mind. Parties you went to, the house you lived in, the car you drove, the, the time that you made all that money, the time that you had abs that you could actually see, the time that you liked you know, all your shoe collection, uh, you, 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 know, you just got married. But you, all these things come rushing into your mind about what good is. Please don't confuse just the circumstances of the way things are in life with what good really is. Good is what we're talking about right here. What God calls good is good. What does that mean? It means you can have a set of unfavorable circumstances in your life, but still be living in the good days because you're living in the God days. I don't mind having both. I want to have both, but I don't want to confuse them. I don't want to conflate them. I want to make sure that I'm, my heart is in the right place when it comes to the Lord, that I understand the distinction between those things. It's okay to have nice things in your life when you understand that the most important things are the God things that are in your life. So when you believe that good is a simply favorable circumstances, it causes you to live in fear and you don't even realize it. And what does that fear stem from? If you believe it's just a set of circumstances, then you believe it, you can lose it. You believe you can lose the good days. And you start living a whole life, whether you realize it or not, desperately holding on and reaching and trying to get more and more and accumulate all these things. So if you lose this, then you can fall back on that. And it starts affecting your belief system. But when you believe good is a life that you're called to live, woo, not a set of circumstances, but a life that you're called to live every day, you live in faith that nothing can take it away from you. There ain't no sickness, there ain't no disease, there ain't no pandemic, there ain't nothing in the world that can take away the good things that God has for me. Because they're things that I live in every day because of Jesus. I love it. If, if you go on the rest of the, the scripture that our text says, whoever wants to embrace life and see the day will fill up with good. Here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil. Cultivate good run after peace for all your worth. God looks on this with approval. Listen to this. Listening and responding well to what he's asked. That means if you don't do these things, he won't listen and he won't respond to your prayers. You ever prayed a prayer that God didn't answer? You ever wondered why? Maybe you're not living in a kind of way that gets his attention. Maybe you're not kind of living in a way and embracing the good things of life that causes him to want to move on your behalf. Let's live in a way that causes him to respond where he'll, he will hear us. I don't want to live in fear that all the good things I have can be taken from me. I want to live in faith that the good old days that I'm about to start walking in, nobody can take them away. I want to ask you a quick question. 
I'm going to go through a list of names here, and I want, I want to know how many of you have ever heard of these guys. How many of you have ever heard of these people? Who's ever heard of Shamua? Who's ever heard of Shaphat? Who's ever heard of Egal? Who's ever heard of Palti? No one's ever said, turn to the book of Palti, chapter 4, verse 3. Who's ever heard of Gadiel? Who's ever heard of Gadi? Who's ever heard of Amul? Who's ever heard of Sathor? Who's ever heard of old Nabi? Or how about, this is a great one, how about Gule? You guys ever heard of Gule before? Anyone in the room named Gule? If so, I'm going to give you $20 today. Oh, suddenly lots of Gules in the room. I see. I see the way it works. Nobody's ever heard of these guys. You know why you've never heard of them? Because these are the group of men that Moses sent to scout the land of Canaan to bring back a report about what they saw. And you know what they said when they came back? These men that I just read you that nobody has ever heard their names, here's what they said about the land that they saw. They said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So you've never heard of any of those guys? Well, let me ask you another question. You ever heard of somebody named Caleb? Anybody in the room ever heard of a guy named Joshua? Because he just saw, those guys happened to be in the same group. They all saw the same thing. But you want to know what Caleb and Joshua came back and told everybody about the same thing that they saw? They, when they came back, they said, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. We are living in the future good old days. People that think you can lose it see something as bigger than it is. They see the odds. We see the opportunity. They see death. We see life. They see giants. We see grasshoppers. They see see failure. We see victory. They see the storm. We see Jesus on the boat. They see divorce. We see reconciliation. They see the diagnosis and the disease, but we see the healer. We're living. We're living in the future good old days, and nothing can take it away from us. Two kinds of people. The ones that believe good is something that just happens to you. And it can be taken from you. And they're living in constant fear that they may lose it. And then there's other people like you. There's other people like you. I'm talking about you. That you believe good is a life that you're called to live every single day. You may not have the money in the bank, or you may. It doesn't matter which one. 
All that matters is that today you make a decision in your life. My life is filled with goodness. My life is filled with goodness because this is the way I live. You get ready for what God is about to do in this church. You get ready for what God is about to do in this city. You know, there's a whole genre of film that is called dystopian or post-apocalyptic. I've always kind of liked those kind of movies. You know, the stuff like Walking Dead, I Am Legend, stuff like that that's sort of about, or Book of Eli, things that have to do with life after the destruction of civilization as we know it. There's some element of our world now that people feel that way where we will never go back to the way life was before 2020. It will never look exactly the same. Things will always be done a little different. There are people that are not here today in church that will never go back to church. I wish they would, but I think something like that layoff changed a lot of people's mentality about church. And I love those people. And I pray for people like that. I want them to come back. But I, I also think that there's a whole new group of people who have never even walked in the doors of a church that God is dealing with their heart right now and our churches are going to be filled with people who have never known God before. It's gonna be a revival. It's not gonna be something that's like recycled. It's gonna be brand new people that come to Jesus. And I believe that's why God wants us living in those good old days because the testimonies of his faithfulness. Look at those walls back there, miracles on miracles. We're living and seeing things that we've never seen before. So I get the opportunity now at the end of our service. I will tell you, this is a little on the edgy side. And I will ask Daniel, turn that volume up just a little bit. <laughs> this is a little bit on the edgy side today. Uh, and, and it may not be something you're used to seeing in church, uh, but I get the opportunity of making this announcement. Uh, so if you're not comfortable with it when you see it, you can, uh, you can bounce, you can go toward the doors right there. Uh, but but I, I would encourage you, uh, if you can't handle it, stick around to the end of it because I got something exciting I'm gonna tell you. So check it out. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but expose them. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. This year, our church is going to have a production called Blink in the Fall, where we're going to see 2,000 people give their hearts to Jesus for the first time. We're going to baptize 500 brand new people that have never been baptized before. Who will stand with me and believe that this is going to happen this year, 2022? We're releasing this vision on Vision Sunday. Are we in agreement together? We're going to see revival in the fall. If you don't know what Blink is, Blink is a production that I wrote in 1998, over 60,000. 
3,000 people have given their heart to Jesus since 1998 in this building. We have baptized thousands and thousands and thousands of people. It is like a movie. Uh, it is a live production with dancing, with drama, with lights. Uh, our film crews go out and actually film movie-like segments. There's really no way to describe it if you've never seen it. You can watch some stuff online from our website that we've done in the past, uh, but there's no way to describe what it is. It's a ticketed event where we sell tickets. Nothing like this has been done since COVID has happened anywhere. No one has tried to do something like this. And people have even said it's crazy to do it. It's not crazy when it's a God vision and God has given us this vision that we're going to launch it in the fall and we're gonna see lives change forever. So I encourage you on Vision Sunday, step out in faith, be a part of this team if you're an actor, if you're a filmmaker, if you're a dancer, choreographer, a graphic artist, any experience in the arts, or just want to help. Maybe you're a prayer warrior or you're a marketer or into tickets. There's all kinds of parking lot stuff. There, everything that you can imagine. There are hundreds and hundreds, probably about 450 people that go into making Blink work on a nightly basis. 14 performances that, that we're going to do. Uh, our auditions start this summer for casting. Uh, and actually, we're going to be pre-casting some, some films that we're doing in the earlier part of the year that are going to be standalone uh, pieces in Blink. Lots of exposure. Uh, there's some other things I'm going to tell. I won't announce now something about Blink that is really, really cool, but there's an opportunity and, and an option for us to make this a national thing as it happens in, in the fall all kinds of things out there. So there's, this is an exciting day on Vision Sunday to tell you this is going to be something that gives our church tremendous momentum uh, and gets us on the same page as a team. I cannot wait uh, to do Blink. But before we all leave and sit down, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're watching online or in this room and you do not know Jesus, uh, would you close your eyes for just a moment? I'm just going to ask you right now, if you do not know Jesus and you say, I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior today, no one is looking around right now without hesitation. If you need Jesus, the Holy Spirit is telling you you need Jesus. Would you lift your hand right now all over them if that's you? Hands going up in every single section. Just lift your hand. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.